And I asked him, you know, what's your secret? He said, manga. I hmm. read manga religiously. Hmm. And so I know how people, young people speak. Yeah. It's a, it's a non-didactic experience where people who don't know anything about this form or know minimally about this form can learn sort of at their own pace in their own location to see what manga is about, what this slice of Japanese culture is about. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. Storylines is a new exhibit at the Cornell Library about the history of manga and its relevance in Japanese culture. We speak with three of the minds behind the exhibit about its origins as well as manga's continuing appeal. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. Today, we have three colleagues from the library with us in the studio. Dan McKee, Carl Rosen, and Aparna Ghosh curated an exhibit on manga titled Storylines, Visual Narratives in Japanese Pop Culture. We look forward to hearing more about the history of manga, connections to anime, and how the comic book universe can be integrated into learning and teaching. Welcome to Speaking of Language, Aparna, Dan, and Carl. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So before we dive into this manga universe, can you please share with our listeners a little bit more about you? What's your background? What do you do at the library? And do you have any connection with languages? Obviously, interest in Japanese culture, but any of that. Hmm. Carl, do you want to start? Uh, I'll start, yeah. Um, I came to this route. I have um, a master's degree in museum science from the University of Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been designing exhibits here at Mann Library and at the Asia Collection for just about five years now. I did um, some French work, um, uh, four years of high school Latin, which was fun. Um, my father um, uh, was from Germany, him and... Uh, my grandparents uh, both spoke German in the home to each other, oh, cool. uh, which was very nice. Um, yeah, but I, I don't have uh, much modern mm-hmm. formal training. Uh, I've been teaching myself Norwegian very slowly. Oh, um, cool. But, Fun. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Aparna, how about you? I'm the administrative supervisor at the Eccles Collection on Southeast Asia. I like studying languages, so I have, I've taken a lot of classes here at Cornell, mm-hmm. um, my parents speak Bengali at home, and I've taken classes in that mm-hmm. um, over here at Cornell. I've also taken, like, a couple of, like, language and culture classes. So I think I did Vietnamese and Sinhala hmm. over here mm-hmm. at Cornell. Nice. Um, and, yeah, I guess I've studied other languages, too. Like, in, when I was in school, I studied Hindi and Bengali. And I guess... Now I'm trying to casually learn French, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, awesome. I like doing it. So yeah, yeah. Dan, what's your story? Oh, so uh, I'm Dan McKee, the Japanese bibliographer in the Wasing Collection on East Asia. Um, I am a very typical American horrible language learner. I <laughs> ignored my high school teacher for four years, thinking, "Why am I studying Spanish? Why do I have to do this?" Um, then I took on Japanese in at university, um, went through a few years of 
Japanese study, but really couldn't speak. And I was frustrated. So I、mm. said, I need to go to Japan.、Huh. I need to immerse myself. There you go. So I did. And it、mm-hmm. took years. <laughs> and I still fumble and, and, and stumble as I try to、yeah. get things out sometimes. But,、um, but living there for a while、um, sort of opened the door after a while. Yeah. And、um, then, yeah, I came back to Cornell、uh, after Japan and did some grad work here, studied Chinese and、mm. French for reading knowledge,、mm-hmm. which is、mm-hmm. the one everybody <laughs> uses to get through grad work. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I did that one too.、Yeah. I just realized I forgot to mention Japanese. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> Good, covered now. Can you tell us a bit about how the idea of a manga exhibit came about? This one is、uh, Aparna's.、Um, Contribution to the process. So well, I think she should lead. I guess it's really a case of we had we had to plan a number of exhibits in advance. What should we do? Like, we said, like, we put ideas out there, like within the Asia library.、Mm-hmm. And I was the one who threw out manga because I did my bachelor's thesis on it.、Mm. So, yeah, and then it got picked. <laughs> <laughs> I think Aparna is a bit humble. I think Aparna pushed it quite a bit and said, Would you work with me on it? And my guilty admission is I know very little about the universe of manga.、Mm. I had to really research for this exhibition.、Uh, Aparna and Carl know far more than I do, they've read much more than I have and had many more experiences than I have. But yeah, Aparna said, Would you? Work on it with me, and I said, Sure. And there it was. <laughs> and there it was. Carl, you have a personal interest in manga, then, as well?、Um, yeah,、um, mostly I've just been、uh, a fan for a long time.、Um, mm. back, when, uh, back when I was in high school,、um, the movie Akira was、mm. very big. Yeah. And from there, just you know, living you know, geek life. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. Yeah.、Um, just Dove straight in, like, new. I, yeah, I've been reading manga, watching anime、mm-hmm. really my whole life.、Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I like, started college, I went to this little school in Ohio called Denison University.、Um, I just fell in with a bunch of international students as、mm-hmm. friends, and then some of them were into manga, and that's how I really got into it. And then I started taking Japanese language classes. I sort of used manga to, like, every once in a while, like, Especially when I went to Japan mostly, but I used those to like learn a bit. And yeah, I guess during my senior year, I decided to study gender and sexuality in with like in manga. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what happened、Very、with that. interesting. So, what is the history of manga? How did manga come about? Oh boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. How much time do we have here? <laughs> I, I think I'm going to focus on the linguistic aspect of、okay. it, which is kind of interesting. The word manga does not go back that far, it goes back to about the turn of the 19th century. So,、hmm. 1796, I think it、okay. was first coined. Um, and it's made of two、uh, Chinese characters, one meaning Flowing or flooding, and the other one、um, meaning drawing or picture,、mm-hmm. painting.、Um, so there was a, a,、um, a literary 
um, form called uh, manpitsu, the same man, mm -hmm. and hitsu is a, a brush. Okay. And that was sort of like a free-flowing um, series of anecdotes by an author where he gives opinions and lists of things in everyday life. No, no real structure to the narrative, mm -hmm. uh, just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And so my theory, I have never seen anyone explicitly say this, but when manga came, the word emerged, mm -hmm. it was based on mampitsu. Mm -hmm. So that sort of free-flowing, lots, mm -hmm. lots of, in this case, imagery, lots of drawings, pictures. Um, and the most famous example of that is the Hokusai manga. Hokusai is... Uh, the artist, the woodblock print artist, who's famous for uh, that great wave uh, with uh, Mount yeah, Fuji. Yeah, yeah. Everyone mm -hmm. knows that one. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, but he was actually more of a book illustrator than he was actually a single sheet print artist. Mm -hmm. um, and he, over his life, produced 13 um, books of these wonderful um, images. Mm -hmm. And then two were posthumous. Um, so that was the origin of manga. It just meant a bunch of pictures. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the images in the Hokusai manga were very funny yeah. uh, very often. Not all of them. Sometimes it was just, here's how you draw fences, and here's 20 mm -hmm. different fences. Here's garden implements. Mm -hmm. Here are 20 of those. <laughs> um, but often they were very witty. So that word manga became associated with comedy, uh, kind of free-flowing, light sketches. Mm -hmm. um, then it became actually political mm -hmm. comedy. Sure. So a one-off political uh, cartoon could be called a manga. And then only um, in the early 20th century did it take a kind of form that we would recognize now as a comic book. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so, it, yeah, the, the history is quite interesting. Mm -hmm. And the way the term has been used over time has really changed. Mm -hmm. So in our exhibition, we wanted to look at really the post-war manga, which is the manga, the form of manga everyone is familiar yeah, with as, no. a, as a comic book, um, telling a story through you know, visual uh, imagery and then often just what the characters are speaking. Mm -hmm. um, a little bit of narration sometimes as well. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, that is very particular to post-war Japan. Mm -hmm. um, post-war Japan was a time when American culture was flooding uh, sure. into, into Japan with yeah. the occupation, and people were really eager just to relax. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so all forms of popular culture took off. Yeah. Um, during the war, people had been so grim and serious, and now they said, we need to go in a different direction. Mm -hmm. So popular music takes off, entertainment like pinball and mm. manga becomes yep. a very mm. big thing, and animation right after. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of um, the the moving from the background into um, the form that we know as yeah. manga now. Um, the, the development after the war is another story mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. well, because sure. initially it was really for children, um, but then began to develop. Well, adults read the things for children and really enjoyed them. Mm -hmm, and it was decided, mm -hmm. oh, we can, wait, there's the a bigger market yeah. here. Yeah. Um, and now it's 40% of Japanese publishing, so wow. huge phenomenon <laughs> in Japan. And uh, for our listeners, could we get maybe a quick description of the connection between manga and anime? Um, yeah, it's... Um, they're really very 
hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, anime is animation. Um, uh, the early, early, uh, the post-war early um, manga is very influenced by particularly Disney. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you look at sure. like um, the early titles like like Astro Boy mm-hmm. or um, uh, Princess Knight, a lot of the imagery is very similar to that, like, you know, um, fun, almost cute um, Disney yeah. feel. So then that immediately lends itself to animation. So, like, Astro Boy got animated very early on mm-hmm. uh, in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that just grew. So as the in- as both industries continue, it's just like this secular feeding into each other where uh, a manga gets written and then um, eventually... Um, an anime adaptation is made, um, then that goes back into a different manga cycle, and then like you have a live action spinoff of that, mm-hmm. and then, you know, it all just f- keeps feeding back into each other. Yeah. It's, just, it's almost one continuous culture. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like Akira, which I mentioned earlier, when that film was made, it was made in the middle of the manga production. Mm-hmm. The manga didn't finish for like another four oh, or five years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, it comes in... in Waves, we you know it's it's a very yeah the whole industry just is almost one piece. Mm-hmm. So there is a broad appeal to many different target audiences for manga. What do you attribute that to? Part of it's that like manga is really more of um, a form, like novel is a form. Mm-hmm. There are so many different kinds of manga. Hmm. We get everything from you know, children's stories like you know Doraemon to um, Ghost in the Shell, which is very advanced thought about cybernetics in a dystopian hmm. future. Yeah. Um, so there's uh, Aparna has studied vast, very different from all of that. Mm-hmm. So there's a. Yeah. I like I think I studied um Boys Love which is books for a female audience mostly but about gay male relationships. Mm-hmm. So there's there's something for everybody in mm-hmm. like manga which is why we think there's that appeal. I think and it's also a, a a more uncensored world than something say like a TV drama mm-hmm. or something. There are things that that you can get away with in a manga that mm-hmm. would be more mm-hmm. difficult sure. uh, to to do. So I'm always, as I was working on this exhibition, I was continuously kind of impressed at manga's sort of foundational role. It is true that sometimes the animation will come before the manga is complete or there'll be a manga based on a novel, but manga is more often the seed for all these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's when a, a manga achieves some success most often that it becomes an, an anime mm-hmm. um, or takes on another life as, as drama. But you can get away with a lot more, I think, mm-hmm. in this form because it's sort of a private experience. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think the authors know how to tickle their audiences. <laughs> they really, um, they know what will appeal to people. Yeah. 
Dan, have you ever noticed, like, if you're on, like, if you're on a train in Japan, like, people are reading manga, but they have covers on them, so, like, other people can't really tell what you're reading. Uh, that's true. Yeah, that is. I saw that a lot. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, that's actually a, 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 a sort of challenge in doing the design aspects of the exhibit is that there is uh, so many of the interesting and dynamic panels in manga are more um, either adult-oriented mm. or very violent. Mm. And it's difficult mm. to strike that balance where it's sure. interesting and dynamic, but you can put it up in a hallway where anybody is going mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit more about the exhibits? What what do people see in storylines, and where is it? Uh, we'll start with the easy question. Um, <laughs> it's, it's in the Croc Library uh, hallway mm-hmm. that goes past the Asia Reading Room. So right when you enter um, Croc uh, Library through Olin Library, um, you will see it in the hallway mm-hmm. there. Um, it's not an ideal space. In other words, it's not an exhibition space mm, sure. in yeah. and of itself, but so many people pass through mm-hmm. um, to promote the collections and yeah. grab people's attention. We've yeah. been putting up exhibitions now biannually to, mm-hmm. to get them um, looking and yeah, wow, have they been looking at this one? Oh, I um, bet. It's been yeah. really, really popular. Yeah. Um, people taking selfies. I've seen <laughs> a family all gathered in front of yeah. one. Um, you know, people carefully reading, which uh, makes me really happy. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Very happy. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's um, so far, I haven't heard really any criticisms. I'm sort of waiting to be like, someone telling me, oh, you missed the point on this one, or, <laughs> um, because it is a new world to me. But so far, it's all been good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there have been some teaching requests that came out of uh, this exhibition as well. So we're engaging um, with language teachers and faculty and even the the uh, Japanese Studies Club at Ithaca High School. Oh, cool. Oh, I didn't know that. They're coming tomorrow. That's great. So that brings us to our next question. How can educators and learners use the exhibit, especially for language and culture learning? Uh, From a cultural standpoint, it's a a non-didactic experience where people who don't know anything about this form or know minimally about this form can learn sort of at their own pace in their own location mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to see what manga is about, what this slice of Japanese culture is about. Um, for um, for linguistic purposes... Um, for language learners, I mean, wow, there's probably no better way to <laughs> understand how yeah. real people speak in mm-hmm. Japan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went through a couple years of formal Japanese language training And I got to Japan, and I'm like, what are they saying? (laughs) I cannot Mm -hmm. understand, because everything's in a shorter form. Everything is clipped. Um, There are certain patterns of speech that just were not covered Mm -hmm. in textbooks. And one day I was in a bookstore, and uh, there was another American there. And we started chatting, and and, um, we were hanging out, and he was speaking things in Japanese, and I was so impressed like how long have you been in japan and he said two months and i'd been there for two years or something (laughs) and i'm like how does this guy speak so well and i asked him you know what's your secret he said manga i Hmm. read manga religiously Hmm. 
And so I know how people, young people speak. Yeah. Um, so we do have a really good collection in the library that we hope language learners mm -hmm. and teachers can use. Um, I, I'm not sure how language teachers feel about manga because, um, you know, it is, uh, again, that sort of everyday mm -hmm. level, sure. uh, very informal speech patterns in general. Um, so that's good if you're going to Japan, but maybe that's not what you want your <laughs> beginning <laughs> students to learn first. But I can add to the whole, like, the writing system. Like, manga's pretty good with that, especially if you're reading, um, I guess, books that are geared more towards younger audi audiences. So they'll usually have um, what's known as, so, like, I don't um if you want to talk more about like the different writing systems within Japanese, there's the the Chinese characters and then there's the two what do you call it? Hiragana and Katakana. Right. So two phonetic uh, syllabaries. Yeah. Um, um yeah, for the these books that are aimed towards younger readers, they have the furigana, which is uh So furigana is, are small little phonetic characters written alongside mm -hmm. the Chinese characters so that you know how to pronounce mm -hmm. them. Yeah, so it's like that was really helpful for me, like when I was learning kanji, like the, for the, the actual yeah. characters, mm -hmm. like that I can see being very beneficial mm -hmm. to language learners, especially when they're learning the the writing system. Very cool. How long is this exhibit up for? Uh, it should be up through um, at least the middle of July. Um, odds are probably more like the end of July. Okay. The next exhibit should go in probably early August. Um, that's our rough schedule to try to get things in for the starts of the semesters at, mm -hmm. sure. at the university. Awesome. We're having a roundtable talk on Friday, March 13th hmm. in uh, 106G Olin with um, Andrew Campana, uh, Gregory Lond. Um, uh, and Jimmy McKee, uh, Andrew is from the, uh, the Asian studies department. Um, Gregory is from the English department and, uh, Jimmy is a big fan of manga and he works at man library. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to, uh, invite people to come and listen to them and have a conversation with them about manga. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Andrew's great. He's been on the podcast before. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so that. looking forward to meeting him. He sounds like <laughs> such an interesting man. He is. Well, I highly encourage everybody who is in the Ithaca area to check this out. Storylines, visual narratives in Japanese pop culture. Very cool exhibit. Thank you so much for curating that. Mm. Really interesting and fascinating. And Dan, um, when you gave a, a presentation about this exhibit, you talked a little bit about your thesis work <laughs> and a very early visual representation of a story. And I thought it was hysterical. So would you mind please <laughs> sharing with the world? And Carl and Naparna have heard the story probably five million times. More than I care to say. Okay. Um, so um, one of the cases in the exhibit looks at precursors to mm -hmm. manga. So we're really looking at um, Japanese art history, um, Things that manga have the term manga has been applied to, but then also at um, some of the first uh, attempts to put visual images of figures together with the words that that figure is speaking. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yes, my master's thesis when I was a grad student here at Cornell was on a um, 14th century uh, 
picture scroll in Emaki called uh, Fukutomi Zoshi Emaki. Fukutomi is the the name of the character, mm-hmm. and uh, Fukutomi is um, poor. His wife begs him to uh, go to the the shrine and pray to the gods so that he can be given a special talent and then make his fortune. Um, so he does this religiously mm-hmm. for uh, seven straight days. Um, the seventh day, he has a dream that a bell is ringing inside of him. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to a dream interpreter, and uh, the dream interpreter says, a voice will emerge from inside of you, and following that voice, you will make your fortune. And he says, voice emerging from inside of me. I, I know what that is. And he gets up and he begins to fart. <laughs> <laughs> and his farts come out musically. And so he goes out on the street and begins to perform. The crowds gather. They're showering him with treasure. A, uh, a noble comes by and picks him up, takes him back to his palace where he performs for all the aristocracy. Um, and they love him. He's a big hit. They give him treasures, robes. He goes home and he is... It's a sort of happy, happy ever after mm-hmm. tale. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a sequel that's about his neighbor who <laughs> tries to copy his um, performance and fails miserably. <laughs> I won't go into detail on that, um, but is horribly beaten by the nobles and sent home. to his Mozart. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, there has never been a manga version of that, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I think it could be a good story, but um, but it it was the first work in Japan to to like a manga put the words of a of a character by an image of mm-hmm. that figure. I guess we all have our own talents. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the moral. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You never know what voice will. Come out from inside. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Keeping it classy here on Speaking of Language. <laughs> always, always. All right. Before we sign off, we'd like each of you to share your favorite word in a language you speak or have learned, are learning, or want to learn. So, uh, Carl, would you like to start? Uh, so many, many choices. <laughs> um, um, uh, the one that I the one that I settled on when you guys asked me this. Um, uh, pardon me, my German is terrible. No uh, is uh, backpfeifengesicht. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> nice. That's a, uh, that is a good one. Uh, for those at home, that is a face badly in need of a fist. That's a good. That's a description. It's a word language. you need so badly in English. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Aparna, what's your word? I guess among that sort of like having a word that says things in in other languages like you can't. like So one word I guess I really like, it's from Bengali and it's the word naka. But you can't really like, there's no like exact translation. So it could be, mean um, something like someone who like an adjective used to describe someone who's really squeamish like screams at the side of a cockroach but it can also be someone who's really picky about like something uh-huh. like food like it's uh-huh. but it's like whenever it's used it's kind of an insult uh-huh. so uh-huh. yeah and it's just like something we keep seeing all the time oh you're so naka. <laughs> mm. 
I'm going to so, use that on you. I can't pronounce Carl. When would that occasion ever come up? Come on. <laughs> we work closely together on a lot of projects. Yes. Well, Sam, I'm going to call you Buck Five Music from now on. Uh, oh, nice oh. <laughs> days, fighting words. Dan, what's your word? Are you I'm also going to go, throw in an insult here? Uh, no, I'm going to go with a nice one. I, I love those words that we don't really have an equivalent for, like, mm-hmm. like what Aparna said. But uh, a recent one I ran across was Shininyoku, which means to bathe in the green of forests and hmm. groves, something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so nice. like sunbathing for, for uh, greenery. That's Japanese. Japanese. Great. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, Carl, Aparna, Dan, thank you so much for speaking of language with us today. Thank you for having us. It's been great. Thank you. The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or look for Cornell LRC on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners and do stay tuned for our next episode.